Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, and just in case we don't see you, good afternoon and good night. Welcome to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we get started that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As mentioned, this is Monday Football Monday, the show that gets your week started here on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, Normally, we have had a different show that gets you started every single day, the NFL Daily Kickoff. I wanted to make a quick announcement that that is going away. Don't worry. Don't freak out. We've got some some things that we're working on, some things we're cooking up in in the lab, so to speak. But uh, we have some things we're very, very excited about that will be rolling out over the next couple of weeks. But no more NFL Daily Kickoff for now. Uh, Just your kind of regularly scheduled programming aside from that but that does start here on monday football monday on the sb nation nfl show you can listen to all of us wherever you get your podcast that's apple devices spotify search for the sb nation nfl show subscribe leave a rating write a review those things make us very happy you can also watch this show on the sb nation nfl facebook page the sb nation nfl twitter account or the sb nation nfl youtube channel needless to say uh you can find us just about any single place that you get content of some kind i say us my name is rj ochoa from sb nation's blog of the boys home of a America's team on the ones and twos as always around here from SB Nation's leading green nation, Rachelle Prevet, and sitting in for Pete Sweeney, uh, a more handsome, uh, a taller, a more muscular, um, and uh, a better at cooking version of Pete Sweeney from SB Nation's Bolts from the Blue. You know him. You love him. You have a poster of him hanging above your bed. It is Michael Peterson. Mikey P, thank you so much for joining us here on MFM. How are you this fantastic Monday morning? <laughs> You know what? I was feeling a bit tired, didn't sleep too well. But after that introduction where I didn't know when it was going to end and it just somehow kept getting better, um, I'm blushing like crazy. I'm ready to go. Just excited. Mm, didn't sleep too well. Maybe, you know, try some chamomile teal tea, not teal. You can try chamomile teal if you want, but chamomile tea if you want tonight. Yeah, never been too big of a tea guy. I'll drink coffee as late as 9 p.m. So that's like that's not true. There's no way you do that. You're lying. I mean, to be honest, there are some nights where I'm like, a cup of coffee sounds pretty good. I don't have decaf. I just don't care. I'll make it work. But that's not why I didn't sleep well last night. But it was just kind of one of those nights, you know? Okay. Um, Before we get started, we're going to go through training camp storylines because training camp is here. The NFL season is not just upon us. It is actually here. This is kind of the the first day of school, so to speak, um, moment. Um, So along those lines, Michael, I wanted to know, did you ever wear any item from American Eagle for a first day of school growing up? 
That's a tough question because are you an Abercrombie guy I or Hollister? Think, where are we at here? No, 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 no. So it wasn't Abercrombie, wasn't Hollister. Um, so as a bigger dude growing up through high school and going through puberty and all that stuff, like I grew out of stores potentially. Mm. Like I like the store Buckle, grew out of that store. American Eagle, I actually did grow out of it. Like I have, I wore some stuff. I don't know if it was a first day thing, but like one of my favorite like snow coats I got from AE, uh, certain jeans I really liked from American Eagle, but like it got to a point where I couldn't wear certain stores and AE being one of them just because you know i started playing football and got too big and, and that's just kind of what happens i am um embarrassed to say that i had a, a green polo uh from american eagle and underneath the collar um like if you lifted it it literally said pop mm-hmm. this uh with an exclamation point stop and i did it um you know <laughs> like with uh with the seashell necklace and everything like it was a different time, you know what I mean? I can Just see that. Diff- different time. I I would spike my hair a little bit more back then. Um, you know, like you, I would have so much gel in it that it could like puncture people. Um, but that was you yeah. know different different era. That it was so difficult sweating through that, like all that gel in your hair. It was a difficult kind yeah. of place to be. I can see you pulling off a puka shell necklace. Like I know, like that was kind of the look, and everyone wanted to do it. But there was like there's a lot of imposters, and I just feel like you were probably not one of those people. Mm. That's um that's the nicest thing that you've ever said to me. Um okay, uh, at the end of this show, after she hands out uh, MF double MVP, Rachelle's gonna tell us the uh, most embarrassing thing she wore to a first day of school. If it doesn't include a pop this collar, um, I will take home that mantle. But uh, Michael, it's training camp time. It's here. Do you feel like this is the beginning of the NFL season, or, or is this kind of like a made up thing? Um, the NFL's just like the best at making up content that they're not going to put on NFL Plus. They want everybody to know that Game Pass doesn't suck anymore, um, even though it does. Uh, but does this feel like the beginning to you, or are you kind of like a Grinch about it? No, I think it, it definitely feels like the beginning. Um, I think after an off season, and when you we've been doing this for long enough that. Uh, if we're too hyped about the next season, like, you know, last season ends, we want the next season to be here already. We kind of have to like pump the brakes and settle in once we get past the combine, past the draft. We just have to realize that like there's so much time that, that needs to go by before we're here. So we kind of get into a, a an area where we don't even think about the beginning of the season or even training camp. We're like, we it's just going to come when it comes. And then all of a sudden, like time flies and it's here. So, yeah, I'm excited, but it's going to take a little bit to kind of like get the wheels turning. Like it's it's it just hasn't hit me yet. Let's put it this way: when when big stuff happens, when things are finally here out of nowhere, give me a couple of days and, and it'll feel bigger. Um, but yeah, it is day one. I'm excited. I'm trying to like force it a little bit, but you know, there's a lot to be excited about. That's true. Um, okay, so we're just going to kind of go through, rip through training camp storylines we're excited about, maybe ones we're dreading. Um, I have some from from kind of both sides of the aisle. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Like, how do you want to do this? I, I obviously have a lot of energy. and My coffee has been recently digested. Right. Uh, I'll probably let you go first, but I do want to know, because you mentioned NFL Plus real quick. Uh, already what I saw today on Twitter was one of the analytical accounts. I can't re- remember the, the the handle off the top of my head. Ben Baldwin was roasting them. He wanted to see what... Yeah. I think that was Ben Baldwin, yeah. right? He said he so he signed up for premium and then under his profile it says he doesn't have premium, he has basic. And then when he went to go watch a game, it says he has to upgrade. And so there's like all these different things that are going wrong. Literally day one, second number one, um, of trying to make this whole thing work. So it looks like you know the all 22 is is still gonna be just a little bit further away than we want it to be for this. But yeah, so that's just a rough first look. I don't know how that's possible. I mean, the NFL is like a billion upon billion dollar company. 
Um, we talked a little bit of baseball last time you were here. The MLB app is amazing. It's mm-hmm. seamless. It's perfect. It's wonderful. Uh, the NFL app is super clunky and broken. And so it makes me sad. I would love nothing more than to give the NFL money for a service because it was awesome, but, um, but it's not. So, um, RIP to, uh, to NFL plus, um, maybe we start a, a SB nation NFL plus, you know what I mean? Like that's clearly like the thing, you know, <laughs> um, I think it's interesting by the way, some places go with the plus symbol. Uh, whereas some places yep. spell out the word. So, you know, I don't know if that's like an mm-hmm. SEO thing, but, um, okay. Anyway, uh, my first storyline, this is kind of the, the storyline du jour, uh, this particular morning is Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract is, is in, in a bind and needs to prove himself. Um, I don't know if you've seen this already. Uh, we're, we're putting this together about 10 30 AM central time on Monday, Michael. Um, but Mike Sando's quarterback tiers, uh, ranking list came out on, on this particular Monday and always great. Go read it, go support the athletic. They're awesome. Uh, they're our friends. And, uh, and this is something that you have to read every single year. Well, there was a line in here, um, uh, really kind of a paragraph about Lamar Jackson that was absurd. And now we live in a world where Kyler Murray just got paid, obviously. So now Lamar is kind of like the one, um, so the line, I'll just read it to you. It says, uh, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. Another defensive coordinator said he's so unique as an athlete and he's really a good football player, but I don't give an expletive if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He's a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So, Michael, I put it to you. Would you not care if Lamar Jackson earned 11 more MVPs? I think I would care. And I think that'd be one of the most incredible things we've ever seen in, in, in the history of the NFL. Um, there's a lot of players we we still hold up through history that never won a Super Bowl or didn't do too well in the playoffs, but were so good during the regular season that they I mean, that's how they got into the Hall of Fame. That's how they remembered and become legends of this game. So I would most certainly care. I think the Lamar Jackson uh, disrespect has gone a little bit crazy um, besides what you just told me. Um we can even look at like Madden 23. He's like an 87, right. um, which isn't like that's not among the top 10, I don't think, if not just outside of it. Like, again, this guy is a former MVP. He's won playoff games before. Um, he's he's we've never seen someone so electric, someone so versatile, someone who literally does it all at the elite level that he does. Um, and for whatever reason, and he was on the cover of Madden like two years ago as well. And all of a sudden he's not even a top 10 quarterback. And then I think in the ESPN top 10 rankings where they do survey, it's like 50 plus execs, players, coaches, scouts, whatever. He also wasn't in a top 10 there, right. if I recall correctly. So like for whatever reason he had, uh, you know, the Ravens didn't have that great of a season. He dealt with injuries. So did the whole team. And all of a sudden, for whatever reason, in a vacuum, they decided to take Lamar Jackson and just let him pummel plummet down these rankings. So it's absolutely crazy. It's getting out of hand and I'm not sure where it all coming from. It's weird. It's there's like this box of like takes or opinions that consensus reaches that, you know, just you people have to like spit out all the time. One is like that parks and rec is better than the office. Um, nobody's asking, nobody's like arguing this. And now it's like Lamar's actually not that great. And so that's, I mean, like, I just, I like multiple quarterbacks can be great. Like, it doesn't have to be a, well, he's not as good. Okay, fine. Like, you, you prefer whoever by like a razor thin margin or whatever. They can all be great. Like, it doesn't have to turn into like bagging on him like he sucks like this. Like, it, it's fine to say, like, I would rather have whoever else, but to say he's not a great quarterback and that if you won 12 MVPs, he would be some loser is kind of embarrassing. Yeah, it's weird when the people, the higher ups who are like actually around the game, they work in the game, franchises, scouts, ESPN, whatever, when their opinions start matching those of like the random Twitter <laughs> accounts you see in the comment sections of all this stuff where like 
like today I already saw where someone was talking about Patrick Mahomes. I think amid these mm-hmm. rankings, he was number two or whatever. Um, and the comment was just mid. He's a mid quarterback. Like it, there's no thought behind it. They're just trying to be a troll. But so when those opinions kind of start to cross over and like melt together with these higher ups who are around the game and know what they're talking about. And then these Twitter trolls, when those things start getting closer and closer, I think something's going mm. on. Okay. So my uh, storyline is, well, I think Lamar, Lamar is going to be at the center of the NFL universe for a little while. Um, especially with the contract being kind of hanging over him because that only feeds the idea like, well, his own team doesn't even believe in him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so Lamar gets the party started. What is your first training camp storyline that is now swirling and percolating through the air? Yeah, so I'm going to start this off with uh, Tua, I think. Ooh. This is a make or break year for Tua. Um, I, you know, two years ago, he did enough to make the Dolphins look pretty good with that defense being one of the better units in the NFL last year. It wasn't the same thing. Uh, Tua did not do enough. The defense wasn't nearly the same playing as, as high of a level. Um, but all of a sudden you look at this, this offense and the, and the people they got around him, they added Tyree kill, which I mean, I think if you want to take any player in the NFL at all offensively and give him to any quarterback to immediately raise their ceiling, their floor, make them just in general look like a better player. Tyreek Hill, I think, is that player. He gets to pair with Jalen Waddle, who I believe just caught 100 passes plus, or if not close to that, um, was one of the best rookie receivers last year. Then all of a sudden you look at the running back room, and this was a room that, you know, have, have had some UDFAs over the past few seasons kind of making moves more than actual, like, you know, drafted players or people are name power. But all of a sudden they got Chase Edmonds in free agency, Raheem Mostert, who's coming off uh, an injury, but literally today tweeted that he is cleared for camp. So Mostert has no setbacks right now. That being your your one-two pairing at the top of that room is great. You still got Salvin Ahmed, Miles um, Gaskin, as well as your three and four. I mean, this room looks really good. And, and, and of course, Mike McDaniel being the head coach coming from the 49ers, you know that running back room is going to get a lot of work. It's not going to be maybe fantasy friendly. But there's just, you look at that roster offensively, what you got around Tua, it's a lot of talent. So it really, this because of what they put around him, it only emphasizes how much of a year, of a good year he needs to have or else people are really going to start asking questions. It really does feel like South Beach 49ers. Like, you know, I think every team kind of feels like they have like yep. a foil, you know, like one team that their their veterans or their free agents kind of always wind up on and just kind of like, embodies or emulates them and so the dolphins feel very like 49ers light in that sense um and i think the dolphins we've talked about this before um because you cover the chargers here at sb nation how how the nfl has like the nfl like forces the rams down your throat the, the nfl is like the um uh the bird box meme like holding your eyes open like you will mm-hmm. love the rams you will think they're amazing and la and blah 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 um i think that's coming for the dolphins like because it's miami it's 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 this big like flavor sort of thing it's mike mcdaniel this youthful head coach he wears yeezys like yep. you got you got like all the like characteristics that the nfl that kind of wants in like its new demographic that is totally going to sign up for nfl plus um and two is definitely the face of that and so two like two is jimmy garoppolo like is he not like he, he's jimmy garoppolo with different you know players around him obviously ironically tyree kill um who who beat the 49ers in the dolphin stadium of all places in the super bowl um but i i mean i just it, i think that is such a he's such an underrated element to this nfl season like Tua is a fork in the road if he is able to kind of take this leap then the dolphins are this legit contender the dolphin dolphins are this maybe playoff team wildcard team who knows if they how how well they can challenge the bills in the afc east but um yeah but this is at the same time like 
I think Tua is like the Mike McCarthy of quarterbacks right now. Like his his career is either going to go in this like incredibly accelerated direction in a positive way, or it's going to completely bottom out this season. Like there's, I don't, I don't see any way that Tua is like a starting quarterback on a different team in 2023. It's either he's, he's QB one for the dolphins and, and one of the faces of the NFL, or he's just like your veteran backup journeyman, the way Marcus Mariota has been, so to speak. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, if I remember correctly, as a rookie, he got the Dolphins into the playoffs. And then uh, last year, obviously, they did not. And I mean, unlike a Justin Herbert, uh, he doesn't have the stats, nor the explosive plays, nor the highlight reels, nor like really anything that when you look at Herbert, it's like, yeah, he hasn't made the playoffs. But like, look at all these other things he's done to to set the world on fire. And Tua's has just kind of quietly been doing something. And doing whatever that is isn't going to be good enough, especially after this year. So um, that is my first one. Uh, what is your second? So um, I've loved the Bills for a long time. Like I've I've gone to bat for them, and I've, we, you and I talked. Like the coin toss thing really bothers me. And I will say this: like coronation of sorts is starting to irk me a little bit. And so I think the storyline is like. There, there are different teams that the NFL machine tries to force down our throat. There's like the Rams, Dolphins. That's kind of about the location and whatever, but nobody really cares. And then there's the like the storied team with a lot of history that's good again. We've gotten that several times over with the Raiders, right? Like, oh, the NFL is a better place when the Raiders are good. The Giants kind of fall into that category. And the Bills obviously have have a lot of history. You know, we don't have to like relitigate their history, but um you know, and, and I don't mean to like read too much into things, but the Bills, I saw, you know, Josh Allen run out, you know, to the practice field for the first time. There's and look, it's it, there's fans, it's training camp, like people are so pumped that football's back. But it felt like it, it felt like when a team has is like having their first training camp after having won the Super Bowl. Like it just kind of felt like they they mm-hmm. like they really believe that that they're this like, you know, best team in the NFL. And they might be. They they very well might be. They they might have the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, Josh Allen and in, in, in the whole roster can certainly challenge for those things and those accolades. But I feel like they are and on the one hand, I sort of respect it. I respect kind of calling your shot, believing in yourself and, and trying to cash in on that check. But it is such a large check to write. And I just that the, that's that's the storyline that I'm kind of watching. The bills are I want to see the size of check that they are, are willing to write, like how much they're not willing to pound their chest, but willing to kind of like go out on a limb that this is their year. They've gone all in, you know, more than. I think anybody else, right, like in acquiring Von Miller and free agency, like this has to be it. It has to be now. It's kind of where I fall. So I'm kind of waiting to see those those signs that this is starting to follow the path that they wanted to so badly. Yeah, I think easily the Bills are probably one of the most fun football teams to watch right now. I think they're super easy to root for. And I think Josh Allen is somebody who's really easy to root for as a guy where when he was coming out of the draft, a lot of people were probably really split on him. Um, when he was drafted by the Bills early in, I think, his first training camp, people were over-exaggerating his like missed throws and you know bad plays where it was like, I can't believe someone took this guy in the first round. And so for him to make these leaps and bounds under Brian Dable at the time, um, to become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, one of the best players overall, who can just wow you again with arm strength and all his talent. And he's also done wonders of elevating the talent around him with the Bills. And that's not to say the Bills don't like have actual good talent. But when you think of like players 
among the top 10, top five at their respective position. I don't think you can name a lot of Bills players that are on those lists. You know, they have a good offensive line, but for whatever reason, they don't have any of these elite guys like Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, Teron Smith, like all those people. Um, when it comes to his like receivers, yeah, you got Stefan Diggs, but even as well as he's been doing for a while, we became to, to know Stefan Diggs as just like the other receiver with the Vikings, right? And Adam Thielen, we knew he was good. And if he went anywhere else, he would, he would pop off, which he did. But at the same time, like Stefan Diggs is quietly still one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, and so I, I just think, like you said, uh, the, the fans, like you mentioned, he runs out of the tunnel and people are excited. Like the bills also, regardless of the team, that fan base has fun just an absolute blast. Like everyone enjoys watching the table videos. Everyone enjoys them just kind of going nuts. Um, but at the same time, unlike the Raiders, sorry, Raiders, I'm going to take a shot here where like they're crazy. And it's like known that they're crazy where when they would come to Qualcomm stadium, they would sell two beers per person for the entire game and then stop because the Raiders were in town specifically that game. When it comes to like the bills, they're absolutely insane, but in like a much more like respected reserved way where you know it's not going to get out of hand they're just going to like have their fun and not bother everybody else or not cause anything so it just seems like they've got a really good package overall surrounding that team on and off the field um and it's just really tough not to to honestly root for them whether you're a fan or not you are muted my friend i love their energy i love their vibe it's just I don't know. Like it, it just feels like a storyline. Like we're here talking about storylines. It feels like a storyline that hasn't paid off. It, it feels like a like a sitcom. Like you know they need to get together already, kind of thing. Like it's dragging on too long. I loved, for example, um, and, and it was talked about a billion times. But the still of Stefan Diggs, who you talked about, watching the Chiefs celebrate winning the AFC. Like I love that. Like, but all that stuff is just kind of like you know. And maybe I'm just growing impatient. Maybe that's what it is. But um, it's just it's put up or shut up time for the Bills. That's really the storyline that I'm focused on. I'm not like out on them. I don't hate them, but it's time. Like, okay, fine. Like you've been climbing the mountain for this long. It is time to put it all together and, and prove that like, you know, all this, you know, the fun is, is warranted. Like have fun no matter what, whether your team is good or bad, but it's, it's just time. It's time for the bills. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm watching. Numero dos for you, Michael. Yeah, so going over uh, these storylines, a lot of them are quarterback heavy, or at least they're headlined by a quarterback, right? And I think that we have to talk about this one, which is simply Russell Wilson joined the Broncos and, and everything that that does for that team and what they can become. Obviously, this is a move that was absolutely needed in a division that will be the best in football. It will be the craziest, the wildest. It is the wild, wild west for a reason. And honestly, this division, although it's been the Chiefs year in and year out, and I think it will be until someone finally takes it from them, I don't see how that doesn't happen this year, right? One of the teams, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos will, I think, finish in front of the Chiefs. I do not think they win it this offseason or this season, excuse me. But I just think the Broncos are so interesting, right? I think they were a quarterback away with this roster for the last, I want to say, two years. Um, and what they do well uh, was run the football, right? Like, regardless of how they've done um, in the standings, they run the football. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon are a great pairing. Now, you give them a quarterback who can, for me, um, changes everything because he can make something out of nothing. I think that's the biggest thing when it, turn, when it comes to the elite NFL teams who can push for a title year in and year out are quarterbacks that can make something out of nothing. Tom Brady's a different story, right? But Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, mm -hmm. Herbert, all these guys, Russell Wilson has been one of those players to be able to do that. So we can elevate a team that already knows they're going to run the football and run it well. And now they know that if, you know, the pass protection isn't perfect, if their receivers unfortunately can't get open immediately when they need to, that Wilson can extend plays and extend in, in general that offense on a down and down out basis. So 
I just think this is huge. I think it, we've talked about it a lot or everyone's talked about it. I still think it's not talked about enough what he can actually do for this uh, offense. And it's also a team that has a really good defense. They have good players. Um, Fangio is fantastic. He's done such a good job there, regardless if he's got stars or not. Um, I just think there's a lot of excitement and a lot of things we, we just haven't seen yet here. I'm I'm so torn on the Broncos because like I I don't know like how much I trust them I don't know how much I trust Russell obviously he's amazing um, and the roster is ready made but I also kind of feel like I I think it was on the latest around the NFL podcast that they, they made a great point like people are so willing to and I'm not saying like Jerry Judy's terrible but people are so willing to be like well you know he he hasn't really had any great quarterbacks to play with like now now he's got Russell it's like well look at all the other receivers that have terrible quarterbacks that, that have success look at Terry McLaurin like you know what I mean like look at you know I don't know I mean you can make up a billion different examples but Terry McLaurin is kind of like the example right. uh, DeAndre Hopkins did it forever in Houston but like so I don't I'm not willing to like go that far Cortland Sutton has never really like completely elevated himself like you know the Broncos just have all these things I love like I love it if it all works out, but there's just, there is a question and I'm happy that they're relevant. I'm sure you hate the Broncos, but I do kind of like the Broncos. I love watching night games there. Um, there's, I just, I love their colors. Like I love everything about, you know, their logo and it's so awesome. I need them to, we've seen all the throwback and alternate helmets. I need the, the like vintage D yeah, to come the back on the like Royal mm -hmm. blue helmet, not, not the Navy. I don't like that. Uh, but put it on the Royal blue helmet and wear the, the orange, you know, crush uh, uniforms. But I just, I, I don't know. I mean, the Russell thing is fine, but like the Nathaniel Hackett part is like, what, what if this dude sucks? Like, what if he's a terrible NFL head coach? Like we have no idea how or who he's going to be. Um, and so they are, they are an enigma. They're another, there's so many forks in the road. This is like, um, I make this analogy a lot, but are you a community fan? Uh, no, I've not seen it. No. Well, then my analogy is stupid. So way to go, Michael. But anyway, it's, there's a spider web of possibilities here uh, for, for the NFL season, which is why it's so much fun every year. Who do you think, because I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of this, who do you think finishes last in the AFC West? If you had to pick right now. I would say the Raiders. The Raiders. I think mm, if you look, Wow. But they have a Hall of Fame quarterback, according to Devontae Yeah, according Adams. to yeah, his best friend who <laughs> went to college with him. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think if you look back at some certain stats that matter, which is like um how many points they allowed and in games where they were like I I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but they were like four and oh in games where um they it was by like a field goal or not, and then they scored less points than they had people score against them across the entire season. Like the stats kind of surrounding their success show a ton of room for regression. Like in the NFL, you do have to score more points than all your opponents score against you combined to usually sure. make the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, they had great luck in, in games by three or less points going four and oh, like I said. So like, that's like the difference. Well, that's what the Chargers have been like, right? In 2018, they won all their close games. And uh, as every other year besides 2018, they've lost all their close games by like three or less points, seven or less points. So I just think regression's there. And even with Devontae Adams, yeah, I think that's going to help. But I think that defense is still a bit away from competing with the rest of the AFC West. So I was curious, just while you were talking about it, um, do you know how many games that the Raiders played that went to overtime last year? Um, I'm going to guess it's more than like the four I just mentioned. So I would say I'm going to guess eight. I bet. It was, Wait, was sorry. Did you say overtime four. game or uh, did two, you say like come down to the Yeah. Yeah. Oh, overtime. They just, they just went to I heard, overtime. Like, they came down okay. to the wire or something, it, not just OT. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. 
so, so there were four games that went to overtime. The first one, everybody, I think, remembers very vividly because there was the beginning of the Manning cast. That was actually Russell Wilson with Peyton. And he, it, it became Russell and Peyton, like Eli faded into obscurity, like always. Um, but it was that crazy Monday night win over the Baltimore Ravens. They also went to overtime against the Miami Dolphins. They also went to overtime against my Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I think a lot of people remember that one as well. And then I'm sorry, Michael, they went to overtime against your Chargers, uh, you know, very, very infamously um, in week 18. They won all four of those games. Like that's unheard of. I mean, or maybe not unheard of, but that like you're right. Like there's there's so many things that you can always point to, like you know, margin of victory, injuries. Like those things are generally very very reliable in terms of regression to the mean. And so like even if you split those games, like even if you just call it fifty fifty, all of a sudden you go from being a team you know that was what um, goodness gracious uh, ten and seven to eight and nine. I mean, so like th- that, the room for error is truly that thin. And yeah, you've got Devonte Adams now, and that makes a difference and whatnot. But um, I could see that. So let, let's say let's just give them eight and nine. Um, who do you think finishes third? And I promise I'm piggybacking off of this. So I think you probably think, have Chiefs Chargers one and two. Uh, yeah. So similar to what I said earlier, until some a team takes it, I will always say the Chiefs will win the division. So like my four would be Chiefs Chargers Broncos Raiders. Okay, so the, so but like you're saying in order one two yes. three four. So then, how many wins would you give the Broncos if the Raiders finish eight and nine? Give the Broncos what? Maybe ten wins, and it's just not honestly. I give the Broncos probably nine and eight. Like if the Chargers finish second, they would have okay. to take care of business somewhat in the division, right? So I wouldn't say like they split all their series. I'd say maybe they go four and two with one of those losses maybe being to the Chiefs, and then one of the other loss being either to the Broncos or Raiders. So if the Broncos like get swept okay. by the Chargers or something like that, I'd say probably 9-8, and eight because that's kind of how the division was this past season. Raiders were 10-7, and seven, Chargers were 9-8, and eight, Broncos were 8-9. and nine. So I see it being fairly similar. So then right now, just throwing numbers out, you've got the, the Broncos finishing third with nine wins. I will say it right now, and I will ask Rachel to write it down, please, so that I don't forget. I'm willing to guarantee today, this moment, that the Minnesota Vikings will finish at least tied with or with more wins than the bottom two teams in the AFC West. There's all this, like, I know that's your neck of the woods, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, that is, uh, but all, and like, rightfully so, all this, like, love and fanfare for the AFC West, best division in football, blah, blah, blah. The Minnesota Vikings, I think, could challenge for the NFC North. I think they're a playoff team in 2022. I don't think anybody gives them any credit. I think Kirk Cousins is is just such a big meme. People are not willing to recognize. I I say his greatness, and then like you say things like that, and people are like, he's not great, blah, blah. He is very, very legitimate. Do you know where he finished in PFF grade last year, Kirk Cousins? Uh, I believe he was a top 10. I've kind of heard similar, some things like this. I want to say top 10 in terms of PFF quarterback grades. He was sixth. The only quarterbacks who ranked ahead of him, and again, it's just PFF right. grades. Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers. He finished sixth in uh, Football Outsiders DVOA, uh, DYAR metric, excuse me. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, what up? Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Matthew Stafford ranking ahead of him. Kirk Cousins, so very legitimate, very sound, very awesome quarterback in his own right now has a head coach that believes in him and doesn't hate him in Mike Zimmer has arguably the best receiver in the NFL in Justin Jefferson has if we power ranked the wide receiver twos in the NFL I think Adam Thielen is maybe in the running for the best right like the best secondary complimentary wide receiver Uh, I'm not saying he's like a you know one of the best receivers in the NFL but still I mean and your boy at tight end who you saw in the barbershop, Dalvin Cook. Like, I I love the Minnesota Vikings this season. Yeah, I absolutely agree. They've always been a fun team to watch. Um, and obviously, the, with Mike Zimmer, they were seen as a team that was also maybe a little bit carried by their defense. And they've done so well offensively, but people forget that the – or don't even know that the Vikings have been a bottom, I want to say, five to three unit uh, defensively over the last two to three years. And 
you know, and then all of a sudden Zimmer wants to put blame on Kirk fans want to put blame on Kirk, but like the guy is one of, if not the best quarterback off play action, like the dude is a dog when he fakes a handoff. It's crazy. I've watched plenty of Vikings games when he hands the ball or when he fakes a handoff, you just get this overwhelming feeling like he's going to nail Jefferson or digs back in the day or, or feeling somewhere down the field for a big game. It's going to be perfect and flawless. And for, for those who play Madden, Kirk cousins has the highest play action rating in the entire game. So like, it's not just what we see or feel maybe after watching his games, there are people who watch a lot of film who are like, yeah, Kirk Cousins is a dog off play action. Like, you know, and that's what they're going to do. And that becomes more and more effect or effective off running the football as well as they do with Dalvin Cook. They've got um, a second year player, Luongu, who, who might actually see some uh, reps at uh, running back as well. Alexander Madison, like one of the best backup running backs in the NFL, like objectively, I believe. And, um, there's just so many things to be excited about. And that defense got Zadarius Smith. They've got some young guys in the secondary. But mm-hmm. overall, this might have be a flipped Vikings team from what we see. This offense might be able to carry a defense that's getting better. But I highly doubt they're as bad as they've been the last few years. No, exactly. Uh, and again, like you could find a, a like statistical data point to argue anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, their defensive ranks um, in points the last two years, 24th this past season and 29th in 2020. From a yardage standpoint, 30th last year and 27th in 2020. The last year they were a playoff team was in 2019 where their defense ranked fifth um, in points and, and they had uh, four, five straight uh, top 10 seasons in that um, in that respect. But I that's the other thing. Like People act like he can't do it. He, people talk so much about playoffs that we talked about Lamar. People don't give Kurt... I don't know that any quarterbacks have ever gotten less credit for a playoff win than Kirk Cousins going to New Orleans and beating Drew Brees' Saints. Like nobody, nobody gives him credit for that. And the money you mentioned, the like, you know, how money throws he, he has, how many money throws the money touchdown to win that game. Nobody gives him credit for anything. People have just decided that Kirk is a loser. Kirk sucks. Kirk's just the butt of jokes. So my storyline is I don't, you know, I love that the Vikings are not being talked about. I'm fine. It just being RJ and Michael right here. We're the only ones kind of camped out in this territory. We'll buy all the shares, but I'm I'm super fine. I think this is the team that's flying under the radar that nobody's paying any mind or any attention to that in the middle of October, the middle of November, people are like, man, how do they have like 10 wins already? That's the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I absolutely have to agree. Uh, man, these, these, uh, headlines are still quarterback heavy because my next one, it, it goes to a team that's definitely not getting the same amount of hype and probably just isn't going to this season, um, which is the Steelers and their quarterback situation. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is seemingly going to be the starter there from the jump, but this was a team that picked a quarterback in the first round and Kenny Pickett. They've also got a guy named Mason Rudolph who has started games for this team before. Uh, doesn't seem like anyone believes in him though. So my whole thing is just how long, if, if Trubisky is the starter out of training camp, it just, all things point to that being the case. Um, cause it wasn't a quarterback heavy class. Like Pickett was the best of them, but not some guy that you're like, there's no way he's not starting immediately. So we believe Trubisky is going to, uh, get the start how farther into the season is Pickett probably going to uh, take over? I'd say probably somewhere around mid season. This is a guy who unfortunately has like the smallest hands of any quarterback in NFL history. I don't know if you've known this. He's got eight and a quarter inch hands. Now anything near nine is kind of small for a quarterback. So he's almost got a whole inch smaller than what people normally consider a small hand for a quarterback. It's why he wears double gloves kind of a la Kurt Warner did back in the day. Um, but like, if he can spin it, he can spin it. Cool. I think he's got talent, played at Pitt, broke all of Dan Marino's records. I think he's probably going to be a fine quarterback eventually. He's going to have some growing pains. The Steelers need to do what they can to to build around him. But uh, I guess I'll throw this over to you. Same question. Is Trubisky going to be the start of the whole season? If if not, when's Pickett kind of going to uh, take over? What are your thoughts on this? 
Um, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, there are very, very, very rare exceptions to the, like the rookie quarterback, the rookie first round quarterback has to see the field at a certain point. And I think generally it's when you have like a would be hall of famer, a big time, like franchise legend playing the position or a coaching situation that is extremely stable. And I think San Francisco a year ago is a good example. Right? Like I know they used Trey Lance and there was some involvement there, but you know, nobody's going to question the the motivations of the decisions of Kyle Shanahan. And certainly nobody's going to question the motivations of the decision-making of Mike Tomlin. Right. Like I think he's like, I don't know of a, I mean, he's maybe Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, but outside of those two, I don't know any other coach that deserves the benefit of the doubt more than Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. So, you know what, if like, it, it can be a frustrating thing. Like, even if you're not a Steelers fan in, in this case, watching a, a team just kind of like not start the rookie quarterback. And you kind of feel like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting this time? Everybody knows you're not going anywhere with Mitchell Trubisky, but I kind of, I do give Tomlin, like I, I deflect to him. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super cool with whatever decision he wants to make. So I, it's a harder situation to read engage in that sense than like normal circumstances where there's a first round rookie quarterback. I, I'm so I, I just don't know what to think of them. I think that they're true. They're, I think their biggest threat in the division to like to be a playoff team or win, win the AFC North is probably the Ravens. I, obviously, uh, the Browns have a, a mess of messes going on, and it's so hard to figure them out in any sense. I don't know that I really trust the Bengals to do it again. I mean, I, again, I know that's not like a, a rare take or, you know, an uncommon thing that people are saying right now. So, yeah, I think this is. Ravens Steelers and you know I love that like I'm give me all the Ravens Steelers games give me give me a Sunday night football Ravens Steelers game in week 18 to decide the AFC North and, and I'll be super duper happy um but I just I also then I'm like well you know you got like their receiver situation is so weird and awkward like what is Najee Harris gonna look like like I, I have a lot of questions I, I think my my like storyline is that I'm 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 a sponge. Give me all the Steelers information because I truly have no idea what to make of or what to think about this team as a whole, certainly including the quarterback position to your point. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of an X factor with Trubisky, um, if that's even the right word to call it. But he spent one year in Buffalo behind Josh Allen working with Brian Dable. You have to... And got a glow up right. for no reason. Like everybody thinks like just because he was on that team, he's amazing. Right. And I mean, like it, you have to take it for something, right? Like you don't immediately think like, dude, that one year he spent in, in Buffalo dude, he probably got so much better. He can now throw to both sides of the field. Like it's going to be incredible for, for Mitchell Trubisky. He's, and he's got, you know, playmakers. He's going to do well, but like that's, you just got to take it with a grain of salt, right? He, it was a year as a backup. He probably learned some things. Hopefully, um, you know, I don't know if his skill set is exactly the same as Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen is still a better athlete while Trubisky is a good athlete who can, who can do a little bit of both. Um, but like, it's still Mitchell Trubisky. It's still a guy who pretty much has been dogged since his first year of being in the NFL because of his lack of just being an NFL quarterback. And, and uh, again, like I said, like the joke was that he could literally just throw to his right. He couldn't throw to the left. If you look at the heat maps of his throws, um, it was all green on the right. And then it was just like light red and on the other side, like, I mean, it was, it couldn't have been more black and white in terms of that, but um, you got to think that if uh, deflecting to Tomlin, let's put it this way, I will do the exact same, uh, if I trust in Tomlin, I believe Tomlin also thinks Trubisky learned something and is a better quarterback now than he was in Chicago. Like this would be a much crazier thing if Trubisky just went from like the Bears to the Steelers, right? He became a free agent and the Steelers, you know, lost Ben Roethlisberger and they were like, okay, you've been a starter before. Let's just bring you in and see what you can do. Um, but with that year under his belt, maybe he can surprise. I just think the chances of that are very low right now. 
I also think, and I know Terod Taylor kind of satisfies this yeah. too, but like if Trubisky had followed Brian Dayball to the Giants, then I'd, I'd be a little bit more in on like the Trubisky love. Like clearly to your point, like, okay, it was only one year in Buffalo, but the dude who was there loves you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he, he really sees something like, it's just, it's a little weird and it's a little bit strange. Um, okay. I'll move on. Uh, my last one. And then we'll get your last one. Um, and this, we could do a whole like separate episode on this subject alone, but we're going to kind of like cheat a little okay. bit here. Um, I'm, I'm paying attention to the last place teams from last year in their respective divisions, because I, I don't know how many years running at this point it is that like, there's always a like worst to first team. Um, so in that respect, I'll, I'll put it to you, Michael, which team or teams are most likely to go from worst to first from being dead last to winning their division in 2022. Your candidates are on the NFC side, the New York giants, the Detroit lions, the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, over on the AFC, uh, you've got the New York Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you cannot answer the Denver Broncos. I think that's the easiest answer. So you, you can't pick them. This is a really tough question. Because I think my, my answer is going to shock you, I think. Huh. So one of the things I, I wrote down, which... Actually, you can't, pick the, you can't pick the Ravens either. I just decided. You can't pick the Ravens or the Broncos. Do you want to add anybody easy. else before I do this? No, you can pick anyone from the other six, but you can't so, pick those two. I don't know how much I feel like this is for sure, like it's possible for worst to first, but in terms of going from worst to like really pushing for that, if not just making a huge leap in general, um, I think I got to look at the giants. That was actually one of the things that I, I wrote down was uh, how much more competent will they be with, with Brian Dable. And of course they got Wink Martindale as DC. And I was just kind of scanning through their roster before we hopped on here. And I'm like, there's a lot of names here that pop. There's a lot of names with talent and really, really interests me uh, in terms of like, the defense uh, that was kind of led by their interior guys in Leonard Williams um, and Dexter Lawrence. And then you look at edge rushers again, one of the, one of, if not the most important position on a current NFL defense, uh, they, they got Thibodeau from Oregon this year, Ojalari and Roche from uh, their class last year, a trio of young, very athletic pass rushers that can, uh, you know, pair well with those interior guys. And then offensively, like, you know, Daniel Jones is just, I think going to make or break this team. Um, we'll just, mm-hmm. it's year three, you know, I don't year three, year four, excuse me. I'm sure I'm off on that. Probably year four. Um, but like the running back room is, is still Saquon Barkley. I know people aren't super high on him because of just injuries and inconsistent, but then they added Matthew Breda who like, I think is one of the more underrated backs in the league when he's given the chance, like this dude can really do some stuff. One of the fastest backs in the league, obviously saw that with um, the 49ers a couple of years ago. So I think that pairing is very interesting just from an athletic standpoint and being paired with an offensive coach like Dable. And then his receivers, uh, his top three, um, I think true receivers will be Galladay, Slayton, and Shepard. But then they still have Kadarius Tony from a year ago, who is, everyone's kind of seen as a gadget player. Um, but he can still do a ton of stuff, put the ball in his hands, and hopefully he's able to make something happen. And again, a player like that just seems a lot more, I guess, shiny when paired with, again, Dable being such an offensively minded coach. And after seeing what he's able to do with Josh Allen, all this just like you just put it together in a ball and you're like, this is super interesting. Like, I don't know how I don't keep my eyes on this throughout the season. It just, it, something's here. That's all I can say. How dare you? How dare you pick the Giants? Seriously. I thought we were oh bros. Um, and I think the the big reason that like the argument makes a little bit of sense, and I've made this argument similarly, uh, not to be honest, like for the Giants in different spaces this offseason, is because the division is, is so winnable, especially if the Cowboys do have their standard, like, you know, dramatic collapse, you know, the year after having some success the way they have sort of for the last decade and a half. And so, but I would say that the division that is more winnable, if the reigning champion folds, is the AFC South. 
And so I'm going to go the Jacksonville Jaguars because I, I certainly trust that like we would, if, if one of Daniel Jones or Trevor Lawrence is going to like flip the switch and go from like joke to like legitimate franchise quarterback, I'll take Trevor Lawrence in that bet. Um, you know, we got nothing from Travis Etienne last year. Not that like the running game is, is like the most important thing. If you have Trevor Lawrence, I certainly, the, the contract for Christian Kirk was a little bit silly, but Evan Ingram is there now, former New York giant. Like I, he's got some weapons and I trust Doug Peterson more than I trust Brian Dable. I mean, so I could see them having enough to be cute. And again, I mean, they get to play the Texans twice. They, I, I'm not a believer in the Colts and the Titans, I think kind of like the Cowboys. I think the Titans and Cowboys are an interesting or like interesting parallels where they both kind of regressed over the offseason. Their rosters are both worse than what they were. And they're just kind of relying on what they had something great happening, but the Titans, it's Derek Henry doing it again. And I, just, that just seems so improbable. It certainly could happen. And for the Cowboys, it's Dak Prescott saving them, but I, I could totally see the Jaguars just kind of like stumbling into first place and winning the AFC South. Yeah, that was actually that was my other one. It would have been Giants or Jaguars, and and like you said, the quarterback position is obviously going to play a huge role. Um, I just like the offensive firepower around Daniel Jones as opposed to what uh, Lawrence has right now. Etienne coming back is absolutely huge, but Marvin Jones, Lavisca Chenault, uh, I think Zay Jones is there as mm -hmm. well. Like, there's something there, but I mean, like you've got some bona fide pass mm -hmm. catchers here with the Giants. Um, but like none of that matters if Daniel Jones can't click, if can't put it together, if Trevor Lawrence is able to put it together the way everyone believes he can as a former, you know, number one pick, like it doesn't matter who he's thrown to, right? If he becomes the player, we all think who he's thrown to really doesn't matter as much. So um, I really like your pick as well. I think both these teams are super interesting. And again, both of them got new head coaches that have proven that they can do something with the players in front of them, at least offensively as well. Um, so both extremely interesting this year. So we're in agreement. All right, go Jaguars. Um, okay, last training camp storyline for you, Mike. I remember the MF double MVP hangs in the back. Man, because I, I, my, my last point was something I was actually going to more put on you because everyone hears my thoughts all the time. But like, um, you got to touch on the Chargers and that's like, is this the mm. year they finally exceed expectations? Is, uh, you know, I've been on plenty of uh, doing radio spots to talk Chargers stuff. And a lot of people ask, like, what's the big difference? Like, you know, what's going to make a successful season? How are, how are they going to stop themselves from charging, which is just something they've done, you know, every season, but 2018 over the last decade plus, right? So what does that look like? Does it, is it, is it making the playoffs? Is playoffs enough? Is it winning a playoff game? Is it going further um, than anyone would ever think? Uh, is it 10 wins, 11 wins? Is it winning the division? All these things like expectations are just so high with the way they've reshaped this roster over the last two seasons, bringing in an immense amount of star power that it already joins a team that had a fair amount of it. Bosa Derwin now joined by Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, uh, Justin Herbert becoming who he seems to be becoming in the NFL as one of the top young quarterbacks in the league. Like just what's going to stop this team from like shooting themselves in the foot. How are they not going to charge this season for you? If what does a successful season look like for the Chargers based on maybe your personal expectations or what you've seen around the NFL? So this is awkward because um, uh, Rachel knows I have had some words about the Chargers and it's really not the Chargers themselves. I just kind of hate the way they're over glorified by some okay. people. I think they're properly glorified by their fans and, and people like you. So I think, I think you're a realistic evaluator of the Chargers, be, but yeah. I think they are kind of, they, they are like, they're the team that like people want to like, there are three categories of, of teams that get hyped. There's the, 
the team that the NFL is trying to push, like the Rams or like we think the Dolphins will be, there's the historical team that is suddenly relevant again, again, like the Raiders and Bills, like we talked about. And then there's the team that like NFL Twitter has pushed. Um, NFL Twitter loved the Ravens for a long time. Or, like NFL Twitter kind of collectively would refer to the Ravens as our Ravens because they were this, like John Harbaugh loved to like cite, you know, analytical principles and going for it on fourth down. So like they just became this team that like a lot of people who discuss football sort of root for. And that has become the Chargers. And so, like, I'm not trying to be a hipster. I mean, like I said, I, I wore American Eagle. That's not my thing. Um, but, I, like, I, I do kind of, like, buck back against that. And so I have tried to counterbalance all of the Chargersness out of respect for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Justin Herbert's amazing. Obviously, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. Like, the roster is Joey Bosa. Like, as an example, Cowboys fans hated Joey Bosa. Cowboys fans are like, back in 2016, like, please don't draft Joey Bosa. He has proved Cowboys fans wrong. I, the trade for Khalil Mack, I think, is underrated. I don't, I don't think that that gets enough attention, uh, despite the fact, you know, despite how much people talk about the Chargers. But so I think for Chargers fans, if if the Chargers were to win the AFC West, I think it's a successful season. Like, I, I think every Chargers fan would feel like we did it. We climbed the top of the mountain, boom. And then you would get the, like, classic Chiefs fans response, like, oh, this is so sad. Like, come on, have higher. We have higher goals than you. We, we blah, blah. But I, I, along those lines, I could see the Chargers winning the AFC West and getting bounced in the wild card round and the Chiefs, you know, making it at the title game as a wild card, something like that. And so I I think that whatever the Chargers do, if it involves the playoffs, is going to be treated like this overwhelming accomplishment by a lot of people because they they it will confirm their priors. Mm-hmm. I think objectively, this is a really talented team. And I think I still don't know what I think of Brandon Staley. I think he's a really aggressive head coach, and I think that that is what you need in today's day and age. But I think that it is really forgotten, like the mistakes he's made. Uh, again, from a Cowboys slant, we, we talked when Dallas went to L.A. last year in week two. Everybody, you know, dogged Mike McCarthy for the way he handled the end of that game and, and being loose with time and everything like that and, and almost wasting time and not getting the last second field goal off. Brandon Staley just kept, stood there with three timeouts in his pocket. And, and I feel I felt like nobody criticized him for that at the time. Obviously, there's been a lot of discussion about the decision in, in the week 18 game, which he you know, arguably botched. And I, I, feel, I feel like no one has skated by for a potentially season altering mistake the way he did for that. And that's not to be super critical of him. Uh, but again, it just, it's, it's not convenient to what people want to talk about when it comes to the chargers. And so um, I think they're super sexy to a lot of people. And so people see what they want to see with them. So I think sometimes they don't see the total package the way you do. Um, I think winning the division is the first step or, or at least being a playoff team. And I know that that sounds like a low bar, but Given the recent toils of this franchise, I think that that's a fair goal to set, especially in a super stacked conference and a super stacked division, the way the Chargers kind of are looking at things. Yeah, I'm glad you you said what you said, because it means I'm being successful and not coming off as like a homer who can only see in, you know, powder blue and gold and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing to have very high standards um, where I, I agree with you that the winning the division, I think, is the lowest bar. Um, I think the making the playoffs is like, yeah, duh, they didn't need to make the playoffs. They should have made the playoffs last year. They were eight and five after whooping the Giants. And then they won one game over the last handful of, uh, of weeks, including that stinker against the Texans, where they allowed the second worst rushing, or I think the first or second worst rushing attack to go for 196 and two touchdowns behind Rex Burkhead. I mean, I can point to. to... They're the only person I've ever heard hold them accountable for that loss. Again, that's one of those things that people like conveniently ignore because it doesn't like line up with the way they want to. Right. Like the when people talk about the, the week 18 game, 
game against the um, the Raiders and how that went. And I'm like, I roll my eyes when people bring up the Staley decision-making because I'm like, why did you let it be that way in the first place? Why did you even allow the game to go into overtime? And like, why, why did the, the team around Justin Herbert make it so Justin Herbert had to go six for six on fourth downs in fourth quarter and OT to even put up a fight in order to get there and tie it and potentially win that game. My whole thing is, if you don't want it to be close, don't allow it to even get there in the first place. I am a little bit of a traditionalist. I'm just kind of like, I don't care what you have to say. Don't allow it to be there. Like all these close calls, stop it. Stop making it a close call type game. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Sorry. What are you saying? No, I'm just agreeing okay, with you. Yeah. But there's a lot of agreeing okay. going on. And uh, like, I don't know. I think you've got to be a realist about your team or else you're just going to be a part of the echo chamber um, that is the fan base. And like, usually fans don't cover said team. And so like, you don't want to be a homer. You want to not just seem that way, but like, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, you need to be real. If you want to talk about what actually needs to happen to make your team better, not just saying they need this player, they need to do this simply like quarterback, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterbacks and quarterback, uh, armchair quarterback, excuse me, um, want to talk about with their team. Um, Brandon Staley is exciting. They have the the best jerseys in the NFL. I think that's an objective fact. I am going to be a little homer there. Um, they're phenomenal. But like, I mean, Justin Herbert's amazing. Going nine and eight after being eight and five to end the season is terrible. There are so many things wrong. But this team, all of a sudden, if you look at just what they've done in the last two seasons, going from the Lynn regime to, to year two and Staley, the roster is like almost completely different. They got rid of a culture that only knew how to lose close games. They didn't know how to put uh, teams away. Um, I just think this is the freshest the Chargers have been. Um, it's going to be a big year for Brandon Staley. Um, but until, like I said, they take this division from the Chiefs, they take the things, not given or just got lucked out or whatever. They need to forcibly grab the success from the teams around them to really be seen as a team that potentially is knocking on the door of being an elite team like the Chiefs, the Bucks, et cetera. I agree with that completely. I think that would be like, this is more like a baseball thing again, but like if you had like a team motto this year, like it's just take it. Like the the time the game they beat the Chiefs in at Arrowhead last year was awesome, but there were a lot of like fluky things. There was the weird uh, Asante Samuel Jr. reception off the Patrick Mahomes like no look. Like no, just go blow them out by thirty. Like just, you know what I mean? Like just just do it. Like just end, end like make a decision. Like it, it's not a game anymore. It's a decision that you have made. And I think if you're not you specifically, but if you're gonna say Justin Herbert is like an all time talent, he's an all time quarterback. He's this okay. Then the standard has to be exceptionally yeah. higher than, than, than it is for other players and other people the way it is for other quarterbacks in the NFL. And so, um, cool. you want to know a fun okay. fact? So we agree. You know what? On that I... Asante Samuel uh, interception okay. you mentioned, Brandon Staley the next day said if Asante did what he was supposed to do, he wouldn't have been in position to, to have that interception. He straight up was just like, no, he, I... he, he uh, did the wrong thing. That's the only reason he got it. I love Brandon Staley, but he there's just a little bit like again, like it's it's not him. It's just the way people yeah. love him that annoys me. It's like, oh my gosh, he brings Starbucks to the the press conference. He's so cool. Yeah. It's like he reads he books. To Drake cool, and talks awesome. About I mean, relatable things with his. I players. guarantee you. I guarantee you, Michael. One of Brandon Staley, Mike McDaniel. Or Sean McVay will make a Stranger Things reference at some point during a training camp press conference. They'll they'll make some sort of reference to it, and be like, "Whoa, this coach is so cool! He watches Netflix. He listens Whoa. and he, he watches um, it with so, the subtitles on, which is the thing these days." If exactly. You didn't know. 
I refuse to do that. Um, that's a, again an argument for a different <laughs> day. Uh, Rachel, if you would please grace us with your presence um, and first let us know. I know you sent it in the chat, but an embarrassing line of clothing that you used to wear um, in in high school or middle school, whatever you want. Um, and then who wins the MF Double MVP and why? Okay, most embarrassing clothes definitely Aeropostale. I remember going through that phase where like. It was everything was colorful, like royal blue pants, like yellow T-shirt. Like we would wear like cut like neon hoops and like beaded bracelets, like bracelets and necklaces and stuff. So I remember that stage was probably the most embarrassing I've ever gone through. I do have a tip, however, on Lamar Jackson that I wanted to throw out there. And I kind of have a question for you guys. We already know that Lamar is mm-hmm. a unicorn, right? He's different. He's not the traditional quarterback. And um He's low-key, like, already proven, like, he is the offense for the Baltimore Ravens that revolves around him. So even though he has the MVP, he has more playoff wins than some of these quarterbacks in the league that we praise. What do you think it's going to take in order for those haters, because I'm going to call them haters, to put some, like, respect on his name? Is it going to be like he has to win a Super Bowl? Or is that even going to be enough? Like, when are people going to be able to say that he's elite and he's talented, even though he's different? Michael, you can go first. You know what? If you know Twitter trolls and and those types of haters, like it's gonna take a literal Super Bowl and then probably like another Super Bowl and then maybe a third one in a row for you know certain people to to completely stop hating on Lamar Jackson. Um, realistically, like this guy entered the NFL and the bar was set high immediately. And obviously that's a tough look for young quarterbacks because the second their team around them also deals with injuries and then fails to make the playoffs, uh, you're going to get blamed for that. And like, that's just selective, you know, remembering for people, right? They're just, all they're going to see is uh, the Ravens didn't make the playoffs. Well, of course it's Lamar Jackson's fault. And like, no, no, not at all. Um, But realistically, he's unfortunately in a place where it's playoffs or it's a huge disappointment. And then even if they make the playoffs, they better win a game or else it's going to be somewhat of a disappointment. So like, you know how the Chiefs have been uh, such a good team four straight AFC title games like the Ravens similar. Like, I think they have similar expectations where they need to at least push that or else their fan base or at least the NFL fan base believes that they just don't have what it takes. And the first person to blame is always going to be the quarterback. I think um, I think a Super Bowl is like the obvious answer, right? Like he wins a, a title, he wins a ring. Like you know, it's it's just this like end all. Like it's like even like even Matthew Stafford now has this like trump card, right? Like oh, he won the Super Bowl, whatever. It's it's dumb, but like I do think that would go a long way. I think it's it's one of two things. It's either that or it. it I mean, everybody references the Dark Knight, but like the line in that movie is so like powerful about like you you either have to be the hero that dies trying, or like you become the whatever it is, like you become the villain. So like he would have to like. Not literally, but he would have to like metaphorically in a football sense die trying the way Josh Allen did. Like Josh Allen died trying against the Chiefs last year, and he gets like oh, and again like rightfully so, oh like glorified like one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh my gosh, like Josh Allen was robbed. So it would have to. I think it would take the like performances we've seen from Lamar in the regular season. It would take that like Herculean godlike performance in a playoff game, even though they lost, to be like, what more can you ask of Lamar haters? Like you know, look at this. He ran for two hundred yards and three for 400 he had six total touchdowns and blah 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 all this stuff like so again he either has to like win it all or die trying again in a football sense i want health and wellness for everybody involved so fair and also when looking at both of you guys's points from today my favorite from michael was the steelers quarterback situation i love that take and i feel like the conversation that it just flowed really well after that um and for rj i loved 
uh, your take on the Vikings, like your point. I thought that that was really, really strong. So my MFM double MVP, I think I said that wrong, uh, today goes to RJ. Let's go. Michael was undefeated. I slayed Honestly, the Honestly, if you didn't get it today, I would have just assumed everything's rigged. And then like, there'd be no, there'd be no like excitement or like actual like work ethic. Like I need yeah. to lose to know that I even can yeah. lose. And then we can come back, you know, mm. the next few weeks and uh, just gun for it again. I see that's that's where you're a better man than me, Michael, because I'd be fine winning every week. Um, so, like I, I wouldn't question the authenticity if I won every week. It's a participation week. trophy uh, at that wow. point. Then, like I'm just I'm here. Yeah. I'm expected to get it now. Like next time yeah. I'm on right. here, when Rachel's about to to announce it, I'm gonna get butterflies again in my stomach and be like, "Come on, come on, baby, come oh. on, baby, let's, let's hear that name." You know? <laughs> You know what, Michael? You're the Warriors, right? Like you had to, you had to fall again. Oh, like yeah. you had, you had to fall and experience like the dynasty, like having a weakness to identify like reality. You, you know what I mean? You, ha you had to bleed in order to live. Yes. Um. And so, wow. I want to thank my wife and my son, um, and my dog. I want to thank you know my parents, the two of you, a worthy yep. competitor, and Michael. I want to thank Michael's cat who was on screen when I jumped into the room. Um. Just you know, ev everyone involved here really, really made this mm -hmm. thing. I want to thank Kirk Cousins. I think without him, I, I wouldn't be here. Uh, He'd like that. Advice. He'd like that. So. That's true. Um, wow. Um, okay. So what a fantastic episode of Monday Football Monday. Again, no more dailies here on the SB Nation NFL show, but we have some fantastic things coming. Um, so everybody be excited. Um, Michael, you send us off with um, your favorite Disney song and your favorite cold treat to eat. Could be a popsicle, an ice cream, a cone of sorts, but we need those two things. All right. That's so tough because I probably don't look like it, but I will absolutely scream some Disney songs. Absolutely. Um, right. For sure. I've seen, We're part I've of seen your Moana a billion times. I love Moana so much. Um, Not the best movie, but okay. You know, everybody has well, their. That and Kanto, I've seen a million times. Uh, like, okay. I just think they're okay. great. Right. They're absolutely great. A little bit of redemption. They're not just kids' movies, but like, um, I'd probably go with the opening song for moana um if you guys recall i don't what's your all-time favorite disney song to be very clear here kinda i mean like i'm also i don't know the names off the top of my head but like when i think Me about either. just gut reaction i straight i go straight to moana and i go to encanto and then i just mm -hmm. remember moana was okay. just dude i used to spotify the soundtrack yeah what lin-manuel miranda <laughs> like i'm not gonna hide that dude's phenomenal he's a mastermind like Holy cow. Now, nice. favorites, you said cold. That's true. Oh, but, well, I was going to say the answer we were looking for was be our guest uh, from the Seminole Classic Beauty of the Beast. But, you know, that whatever. It seems like you a know? cop out to uh, do uh, like an uh, actual uh, classic from 40 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand they're part of the yeah. conversation. I mean, but, dude, it's legit. That, no, that's fine. I mean, like, and it's super clever. I mean, you know, whatever. Fine. Your favorite cold treat. Again, it can be a, yeah. an ice cream. If it is an ice cream, we, didn't know, we need to know bowl or cone. Uh, it's, is it a popsicle? Is it I'm like a uh, frozen put, or like cold? Hershey bars in the fridge? Either one, whatever you want. That's also really tough. Um, you know what? Recently, I've, I've been a, a classic guy. There's this phenomenal ice cream place near us named Sebastian Joe's. And they're known for like an Oreo ice cream. And it's just, that's just Ooh. it. You just get a scoop or two of Oreo, cone, bowl, whatever. And it is just absolutely phenomenal. Like it's no, no frills, mm. no nothing. And that's how you know something's good. If you don't need to put anything on it, you don't need to pair it with mm. anything. You're like two scoops of that. And you're just you're sent to another world. So I'm gonna go with with that right now. 
fair. Do you bite the ice cream? Are you one of those weirdos? No, no, because you know, like I think it was years ago when I first experienced the like the sensitivity of your two front teeth biting into something like ice cream mm -hmm. cold. Mm -hmm. It like shakes you to the core, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I will never yeah. do that again. Yep, good for you. Acceptable answers, um, Rachel. Um, you rock. For you no do. reason, just everybody. Thanks for listening, and um, yeah, roll tide. <laughs> <laughs>